most important passages in the Bible, one of the most significant. Uh, it's so important that it's from the book of Isaiah, and it's so clearly about Jesus that it is my understanding that when in the Orthodox Jewish synagogues, when they read through the book of Isaiah, they actually skip this passage. Because it's so obvious who it's about and what he has accomplished. We will begin reading in Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's go to our Lord. Our Father, the very fact that here we are, a band of people, able to gather together and say to the creator of the universe, our Father, you gave us that privilege. You stated in Deuteronomy 32, I am your Father. I fathered you. Our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Set your name, your reputation apart in our life experience. We are asking that today we will have a lively encounter with you. You are present here in all of the reality of who you are. We are asking that each person here would hear the message from you that you purpose for us to hear, to trust in, to rely on, to walk in, in the days to come. May we be listening children this morning. All to your praise and glory. We ask for this outcome of you. Good shepherd to Jesus. Amen. Psalm 22. Written by David about 1,000 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things, I don't want to emphasize this, but I want to state it because it's such a startling reality. Put yourself in the, day, in the place of David as he penned these words. Because I would stare, dare say that as David is writing out these words, he is shocked by the very words coming off his stylus. And has to be asking himself, what in the world did I just write? What am... Jesus says that I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets I came to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law, meaning the entire Hebrew scriptures, till all is fulfilled. Right down to the tiniest letter and the tiniest part of a letter will all be fulfilled. And as David is writing these things out, he's got to be asking himself in many cases, what in the world did I just write as the Holy Spirit shoved his stylus <laughs> around? Psalm 22. I'm going to read the entire psalm and then go back. 
a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the, earth, of the world 
shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this. A thousand years before the birth of Jesus, this psalm was penned. And as I stated earlier, I think that as David is writing many of these statements, he's got to be wondering where in the world did that come from? What am I talking about? Did David experience rejection and threats to his life? Absolutely he did. But the level of rejection and harm described here is way beyond any of the personal experience of David himself. But it was the experience of his greater son. Jesus is a direct descendant of David. You read the genealogy found in Matthew's Gospel, and it is the genealogy of Jesus through his legal father, Joseph who had the right to David's throne. The genealogy in Luke is his genealogy through his mother Mary, who also was a descendant of David. Jesus is the fulfillment. This is as if Jesus himself is sitting down penning this psalm. It does say a psalm of David. I think that when we step into our Lord's presence, David will be saying, no, 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 no. (laughs) A psalm of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was arrested, given an illegal trial. It was against the Levitical law to have any trials other than in the daylight hours. They tried Jesus at night, and they couldn't even get the coached, witnesses to agree when it came to public testimony. It blew up in their face. And then they took Jesus to Pilate. Pilate is in town. And the Romans reserved the right to, of executing people to themselves. And especially since Pilate was in town, we've got to bow the knee to that. So they took Jesus to Pilate after the sun had come up. They brought Jesus to Pilate and they, what are you accusing him of? Well, you just crucify him. What? (laughs) That's not how it works. What's the accusation? You just crucify him by the way he claims to be, the king of the Jews. So Pilate turns to Jesus, who had not been saying one word to any of the other accusations they had brought. Jesus as a sheep before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He said, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, well, yes, they got that right. I am the king of the Jews. And then they came back. He still wanted to free him. And then he said, 
are you? Then they said, oh, he also claims to be the son of God. Now that really freaked out Pilate because his wife had come to him and said, do not have anything to do with this just man because I've been tormented in dreams all night because of him. Don't have any. And are you the son of God? Yes, I am the son of God. But then because they cornered Pilate politically, he approved the crucifixion of Jesus, which of course is what Jesus purpose to do. He knew what his next act of obedience to the Father would be, accepting the guilt of the human entire human race upon himself. Isaiah 53, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was nailed to the cross about 9 a.m. on Friday of that week, about 9 a.m. And it was about noon when it suddenly became dark in the middle of the day. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right out of Psalm 22. Now, we look at that. How was he forsaken? Jesus knows the answer. Have you ever asked God why, or somebody else why, when you already knew the answer? But the reason you said why, because the agony was so immeasurable that you still had to ask why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only member of the human race, and Jesus was fully human as well as fully God, the only member of the human race who wasn't worthy of judgment was him. And yet here he is bearing the sin's penalty for the entire human race. Why is God the Father sending God the Son to do this? Why is God the Son agreeing with his Father to come and carry out this task? fulfill his father's righteousness because that's the only way we can be delivered. And so here is what would take the entire human race and eternity in the lake of fire, a never-ending experience of torment in the lake of fire to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus, because of the nature of who he is, he is eternal in his value. He is able to carry upon himself the, all of the hell, all of the lake of fire due to the entire human experience, due to the entire human race, upon himself during that time on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? In the same way that we would cry out and say, Lord, why, even though we knew why? But the, the pain, the torment is so great. Why are you so far from me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, am not silent, but you are holy. What is he doing? We see the psalmist, we see her David, and speaking on Jesus' behalf. What do you do? 
when you are in a difficult situation and you're walking a difficult path, you will be crying out, Lord, why, why, why? Lord, I know you are my shepherd. You are more than adequate. You cry out by the inciting and power of the Holy Spirit. You cry out words of faith in the midst of your torment, in the midst of your trial. You're crying out words of faith. You are holy. You are not betraying me. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You deserve every praise your people have ever uttered. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. And as we read through God's word, we see all kinds of, of examples of people whose needs were met in the midst of trial. Israel was 40 years in the wilderness. They ate what we're told in the Psalms is angel food, manna. What does manna mean? It means, what is it? They'd never encountered food like this before. And we're told in the Psalms, it's angel food. And a river of water followed the two and a half to four million Jews through the wilderness all those years so that their thirst would be slaked. They, their knees were met and met and met. Our fathers could testify. Then you parted the waters of the Jordan. You, helped, you st- stopped the Jordan so they could walk through. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But, but I am a man, a worm, and no man. I'm not even being treated like a person. I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. Jesus was mocked even though <coughs> he did sign after sign after sign <coughs> after miracle after miracle after miracle. The Jewish leadership was a den of thieves. They were a mafia, a religious mafia, and Jesus was a threat to them because he forgave, which he had the authority to do. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, and he did, and that was a threat to them because if he could forgive sins and he would do it for free, that puts in jeopardy the entire temple system that we do pretty well off of. I'm a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who ridicule, who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They even make faces at me. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. What Annas and Caiaphas stood at the foot of Jesus' cross, he saved others. <coughs> Himself he cannot save. What did you just admit to? He saved others. They were personal friends with the Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. They were, well, I don't know about friends, they were acquaintances. They actually had, in chapter 12 of John, 
Caiaphas decided we need to put Lazarus on the hit list too. He's too big a proof for Jesus. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. This is the abuse I'm hearing. Oh, I remember. You are he who took me out of the womb. You have been my loyal shepherd, protector, provider since before my birth. You are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. This may be a testimony of David's own recollection. By the way, just for your information, culture-wise, they breastfed their babies like two or three or four years. (laughs) I was cast upon you from birth from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. I will trust in you. I have trusted in you since my earliest recollections. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. And one of the factors from crucifixion is that very often the arms would separate from the shoulder. All my bones are out of joint. By the way, crucifixion was, hadn't even been invented so far as we know in David's day. It would be invented centuries later by the Carthaginians, and then the Romans would adopt it from the Carthaginians. But it was a form of execution that was as deliberately prolonged and painful and shameful as they could come up with. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws. What did Jesus say from the cross? I thirst. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me They pierced my hands and my feet. And David has got to be wondering, what in the world did I just write? As I just stated to you, crucifixion, so far as we know, hadn't even been invented. And David's, what did I just write? By the way, just for your information, they pierced my hands. The Greek word for hand, I don't know about Hebrew, the Greek word for hand is from here to the elbow. It's not just what we call a hand. No, it's from from the tip of the middle finger to the elbow. They would drive the nail in this hollow place in the wrist. If they drove it through the palms, it would just tear out. So they drove it through this hollow place in the wrist so there would be the bone structure there that would hold the people up, hold them in place. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And they would put, they had a little shelf that the feet would go on because 
if they didn't have that, then they couldn't push themselves up and they would suffocate. And they wanted to prolong it, so they had that little shelf. Yes, their feet were nailed, but they were nailed into the cross on the, so they could push themselves up so they could get their breath and then drop back down again. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, which the Roman soldiers did with Jesus' clothing and the clothing of those crucified with him. It was standard operating procedure. And for my clothing, they cast lots. They had one art item of clothing of Jesus that, okay, we, every one of us wants this. <laughs> we don't want to tear it up. So they cast lots for that. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me, my strength, O oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. You've answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus came out of the tomb, and he appeared to Mary Magdalene and others, and then he, and he said, Mary, go tell those guys up in the upper room what's happened. And then she's there reporting on it when he appears. Here. And they put their arms around him. They touched him. They didn't know what to do with this information, even though he had told them multiple times before it ever happened that it was going to happen. He ate a honeycomb. He ate fish. And for, I, I'm a physical human being. I'm the same Lord whom you've been following. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you, you who fear the Lord, praise him, and all you descendants of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Let me tell you something. This is true, obviously, of our Lord Jesus. It is true also of you. Do not ever believe Satan's lie that God is isn't paying attention to you. He is always paying attention to you in all of the reality of who he is. He is not divided in his attention. He is the omniscient God, fully present and fully aware of every the movement of every molecule in his universe. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I'm going to testify to others about you. And what do we have? We have, we have, we hear testimonies here. On a re That's why we do it. I'm going to ask a simple question. How many church, and I'm not being critical, I'm just making a comparison. How many Sunday morning meeting worship services do you go to where they invite people to offer praise to God? It's not real common. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows 
before those who fear him. I told you when I was in the mess that if you'd get me out of the mess, I would testify of it, and now I am. I will pay my vows, my, fulfill my promises before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever, and it will feed the soul of the people who hear these words of praise. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. Again, David's writing this. What am I writing? All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you out of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. There are people who are yanked out of their destiny in hell into the welcoming presence of God. And what do those people do? They shout it out. God be praised. For the kingdom is the Lord and he rules over the nations. Even in those places on our planet that are the most hostile, God is still the ruler. Just this last Thursday, my wife and I had uh, were joined about 30 to 40 people meeting with a couple from Nepal. Dev and Shanta, Shanta Chetri. Dev is the pastor of the Pudalisadic Church in Kathmandu, which is the head of Beshalom Fellowship of Churches. And he was here. He's been in this church before and spoken. But he was a Hindu. He was born and raised in India as a Hindu, and he was suicidal. His life was so full of despair. He wasn't poor. He was a college student. When finally, I'm going to set aside my Hindu pride and I will go to church with this fellow who keep, won't stop inviting me. <laughs> and he went to church and heard the good news. And he threw himself into the arms of Jesus. He was disowned by his family. His brother threatened to kill him. If, he ever, if I ever see you again, I'll kill you. Now all of his family, including his life-threatening brother, are in God's kingdom. Why? Because Dev shouted out the good news, and they heard it also from others. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. The king of India is Jesus. The king of Nepal is Jesus. The king of Africa, the king of China, the king of Europe, the king of the United States, the king of Canada, the king... He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lord unrestrained in every place. The kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. Well, let me tell you something. The only authentically prosperous people on the planet or outside the planet are those who have bowed the knee to Jesus. We are the ones 
upon whom God's riches are poured. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. The most famous two verses from the book of Job, Job 19, 25 and 26. Say it with me. I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And though after my flesh worms destroy this body, still from within my flesh I will see God. That man's a couple generations before Abraham, and he knew of the Redeemer. He knew of the promised coming resurrection and believed it. And if you read Job, it is shocking. Because as you go from chapter to chapter to chapter, it's just darkness, 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 darkness. And you read those two verses, and it's like an explosion of light. I'm serious. It's that powerful. It's like an explosion of light off the page. And then it goes right back to the darkness. (laughs) But it's like, who put that there? (laughs) The same God who guided David's pen. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. Why? Because he's the resurrection God. A posterity shall serve him. It will be a recounted of the Lord to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, who aren't even born yet. They will declare his, gen- his righteousness to generation after generation after generation to people who will be born that he has done this. It's accomplished. What did Jesus say? We, we translate it with the words, it is finished. That's the sixth statement of Jesus from the cross, but it's the Greek word to telestai, which means paid in full. He had just finished paying off the sin debt of the human race. And when he cried out that word to Telestai, everybody within hearing distance of his voice, that was their instant thought. He just paid off a debt. What debt did he just, whose debt did he just pay off? Mine, yours. He just paid off the sin debt of the human race, which gave his Holy Father perfect liberty to forgive us, to forgive our debt, to set it aside because Jesus paid it off.